There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kremitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Greg and Colin. That's Gregory Paul A. Kreminski. Correct. So I got all those. You got them all. You got them all? Yep. Greg, we've been pounding the table on things like financial planning recently. And why is that? Why do you think that is? I'm asking you. You're asking me? Yeah. Well, it probably has a lot to do with markets and market returns over the past 12 or 15 months and people having gone through a bear market in both stocks and bonds at the same time, that can lead a lot of people to ask if they have enough to fund their retirement or other goals. Yeah, exactly right. You know, the questions we get these days are, should I just be in GICs or something to that effect, right? Yeah. Because of market volatility. And, and the answers are always like, well, what planning have you done? And so to answer some of those questions today, we have a special guest joining us, Jason Parker. Jason is a best-selling author and frequent consultant on things like ABC, Fox, MSNBC, and now at the pinnacle of his career, Greg, the Free Lunch Podcast. Absolutely. Yep. Jason wrote a book called Sound Retirement Planning, which sounds like a good book to read if you're looking at retirement. And he followed that up with Retirement Calculator, How Much Money Do I Need to Retire? Which also sounds like probably a good place for people to start. So with that, Jason, we just want to say welcome to the show. Colin, Greg, thank you so much. What an honor to be a guest on your program today. You're too kind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an honor. You know you're on the free lunch podcast, right? I know. Well, <laughs> okay, from, the, okay. from the few moments that we had a chance to talk at the beginning of the show, it sounds like you guys have a lot of fun doing this program. So yeah, we try to. Shit, for I'm sure. looking forward to the interview. Well, listen, let's kick things off. I'll toss you a softball here, Jason. Just tell us your story. Like, How did you end up where you are today? How'd you get here? Oh, man. Life is all about relationships. And I've had the good fortune to have a mentor, and he died a couple of years ago. But if it had not been for that one relationship, I wouldn't have the opportunity that I have today. But several years ago, I started a podcast called Sound Retirement Radio. We have a little over a million downloads on the show now. I had the good fortune to write two books now on the topic of retirement planning. That's where we spend all of our time. I started a registered investment advisory firm that's an SEC registered investment advisory firm out in the Seattle area. And one of the problems we ran into is a lot of the people that read the books and listen to the podcasts, they're kind of in the DIY camp. They're people that aren't necessarily looking to walk life with an advisor. They want to do things on their own. And so one of the things I was thinking about is how could we help more people? How could we give more people clarity, confidence, and freedom as they're preparing for retirement? And so several years ago, I started building software to help the DIY camp do this better. And that's how the Retirement Budget Calculator was born. Cool. Well, great. Yeah. What'd you say there? Clarity, confidence, and what was the last one? Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. I like that. Clarity to know what's most important in your life. Confidence to know the numbers are going to work. And freedom, like you guys talk about, freedom from fear and freedom from greed. And, you know, freedom so you can go out and live your best life, spending your time with the people that are most important. Isn't that so true? Like today's day and age, we have so many people that are glued to, well, in Canada, it'd be BNN. In the States, I guess it'd be MSNBC and the quote screens and all the headlines. And I'm sure those people don't feel a lot of freedom these days. 
Yeah, it's really hard. One of the things you have to do in the world that we live in today is to protect your mind and renew your mind. I think it's kind of a double whammy there. You have to protect what gets in and then you have to refill it because there's so much garbage being poured into our minds today. It's it's, it's kind of like going to the garbage can looking for something healthy and nutritious to eat when you're tuning into those news programs you talk about. And unfortunately, the reality is my sister, when she was going to college, she took a communications class. And what they told her was what bleeds, leads. So unfortunately, our news outlets are in the world of selling media, selling advertising, and they're going to try to find the absolute worst of humanity because they know that people have a tendency to want to watch. So you really got to be careful in the world we live in. We're never at any time in history where we've been bombarded with so much negativity through social media and the news. So yeah, no, good point. Guard and renew. Yep. Right on. Well, listen, before I know we want to dive into discussion about your retirement budget calculator, but before we get there, maybe talk about what are some of the pitfalls that investors fall into when it comes to retirement planning and and what's the biggest mistake people make when planning for retirement? Yeah, we were just talking about this this morning. To be a good investor, and I, I saw this in the email that you guys sent out too, there's really three requirements. One is you have to be disciplined. Two, you have to be patient. And you have to sprinkle a little bit of optimism in there. You have to believe that the future is going to be better than the present. And like we were just talking about, it's so easy to get wrapped up in all of the bad news. And you've got so many people trying to sell fear because they've got some product for sale, whether it's crypto or gold or or whatever it is they're trying to do. So one of the things that I think investors need to do is just remember that in the world that we live in today, businesses are going to continue to produce goods and services that make our lives better. And to start going down this rabbit trail that I'm going to grow carrots and you guys are going to flake off little bits of gold and bring it to me and we're going to make an exchange, that is just not going to happen. For one, the carrots that I grow just aren't that good. And I don't think you're going to want to flake off any pieces of gold to exchange for them. So, But that's kind of where the doom and gloom guys take us. So you have to believe that the future is going to be better than the present, that we're going to continue to innovate. And the reason that businesses are going to do that is because people, you and I, are optimistic and we're resilient. And we've proven that time and time and time again. So one of the biggest mistakes I would say people make is just allowing fear to be their motivator, the reason for making the decisions that they make. And that's been a big motivator these days, right? I don't know how it's been in your practice, but there's a lot of people we deal with that are looking for that magic pill, that magic solution of, should I be doing something different now with the markets being down? How do you answer that question? Well, markets being down and like you guys were talking about, you have the ability to go down to the bank right now and you can get a certificate of deposit. I've seen local banks and credit unions offering 5% for a relatively short period of time. But that just gets into this whole discussion about patience and optimism and discipline. I mean, the markets work over time, but if you're going to measure your results in what happened yesterday, well, you may not be happy with that. If you're going to measure results only in what happened in 2022, you may not be happy with that. So once you create a really good plan, like you guys were saying, it's one thing to have a good investment strategy. And the investment strategy, like Greg was saying, it's usually the easier part of this equation. The harder part is dealing with people's emotions and our propensity to lean to the negative. And boy, let me tell you, with some 
of the stuff that's going on with banking, you know, it's not it's not hard to get people to remember the financial crisis of 2008. And I think that's what a lot of people do when they start hearing headlines about regional banks getting into trouble. They start thinking, oh, oh we're going into another 2008 financial crisis. And so, yeah, again, got to protect what's getting into your mind and then renew your mind once you get stuff in there that's not productive. Yeah, right on. Well, listen, let's get into some discussion about your newest efforts with the retirement budget calculator. Maybe tell us a little bit about what this is and why did you create it in the first place? Yeah, you know, retirement is not that complicated. It really boils down to three numbers that you have to have some idea about. The first one, of course, is how long are you going to live? And the second number is how much have you saved? And then the third number is how much do you spend? And when you have some idea about what those three numbers are, you can create for yourself a pretty good retirement plan. When we built the retirement budget calculator, we did it because there were no tools out there that I felt really did a good job of helping people estimate their spending in retirement. And I would argue that how much you spend really is the most important number in this entire equation, because that is the number that really answers the question, have you saved enough? Unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of high net worth people really don't know how much money they spend. You know, doctors, engineers, pilots, they tend to make a good income and they save at high levels. And so they just don't really pay much attention to the spending side. But again, retirement doesn't have to be complicated. It boils down to those three numbers. When we started the software, when we started building the software, again, it was answering the question, how can we help more people achieve clarity, confidence, and freedom, especially people that don't necessarily want to work with an advisor? How can we give them the tools? Because I mean, I've seen a lot of people create these homemade spreadsheets and they make mistakes in those spreadsheets. And so that's what the calculator was designed to do. And it's broken into two parts. There's a free version that everybody can use to really dial in their spending and their net worth. And then there's a paid version if you want to be able to project out into the future whether or not your money's going to last. Now, it is based on the U.S. tax code, so it's country dependent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, Greg, would we maybe recommend that people look at things like this, like a retirement calculator? Of course we would. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Like, I mean, why not take advantage of some of those tools like what Jason has created? Well, absolutely. And the tax piece, that can be managed around, particularly in Canada, because the tax brackets are relatively well-defined and there's not a massive number of credits or deductions that most of our clients would take advantage of. So I think the biggest piece that you've talked about, Jason, is this whole concept of what do I spend? The part about how long you live, that's also a bit of an unknown question. But as you point out, it becomes more irrelevant the more solid the plan is with being able to obviously provide for the after-tax expenses that people have. But I think the biggest thing sounds like it might be identifying how do you help people to actually calculate how much they spend. You know, it seems like it should be an easy thing. You know, look at your bank statement at the beginning of the month, at the end of the month, and what went in and what went out and what's it worth now. But it doesn't end up that simple, no. No. Well, two things there. First of all, when it comes to life expectancy, you're right. I mean, any of us could walk out the door and get hit by the proverbial bus tomorrow, right? We don't know how much time we have. But we have the ability, like what we do in the calculators, we start out using the social security mortality tables to give us an average of how long people live. Now, obviously, the problem with averages is that 50% of people are going to live longer than that. 
And then in the calculator, we allow you to make a hereditary adjustment. So if you're in really good health and everybody in your family has lived to age 95, you can adjust your life expectancy you know, to age 95. If you want to be really conservative, you can say that you're going to live to age 100. And that would be the more conservative way to do the planning. But you got to have some idea. Then when it comes to the spending, I've talked to some people and they make it sound like this whole spending thing is a big mystery. It's really doesn't have to be that difficult. What you'll find if you spend about two hours really digging in your expenses, a lot of the expenses you have are pretty constant every month. Garbage, water, sewer, electric. You spend money at the grocery store, you dine out, you put gas in your car. And so you can look back through three months of bank statements and get a pretty good handle on what your spending is. And then you make projections about what those are going to be going forward. And you don't want to forget inflation. So one of the neat things we did in the calculator was we give people the ability to assign a different inflation factor to each expense. A lot of times retirement calculators just assume one inflation factor for all expenses. But like this last year, my property taxes went up by 15%. So for me to assume that property taxes are only going up 3% per year probably would not be a good idea. And then medical expenses, we find that those tend to go up at a rate higher than overall inflation. So maybe you want to use like a 3% inflation factor, the long-term average for inflation as you project forward for many expenses, but things like medical expenses, you assume a little bit higher inflation factor. And there's a lot of little micro decisions as you look into retirement. But again, it really boils down to three numbers. How much do you spend? How much have you saved? And how long are you going to live? Are people surprised when they actually go through the calculator to see how the numbers fall out? Because I would think that most people think they spend less than they actually do. Oh, that's a good question. On the spending side, you know, what I found is interesting is a lot of people don't know how much money they've actually saved across all of their different accounts. So that was that's always a big shocker. People don't like the calculator when you leave the mortality tables as the default. So the Social Security mortality, like a guy my age, it says I'm only going to live to age 79. So younger people get in there. They, they don't like the way those numbers look. But when it comes to their spending, I would say that most people feel challenged by the spending number initially. But again, once they spend a little bit of time looking at it, they can really start to see, oh, yeah. The other thing that's neat about our calculator is some expenses don't go up with inflation. So like if you have a a mortgage that's going to be paid off in the future, your principal and interest don't increase with inflation. So you can show that number being static and going away in the future. But actually, what I find is when a lot of people use the calculator, it gives them a greater sense of, oh, you know what, we actually can do this. And I always like to say, hope for the best, plan for the worst. So when you're making projections about the future, aim high on inflation and aim low in terms of future rates of return. So if you assume that your money's only going to grow at 3% or 4% per year, that gives you a really just a lot of confidence heading into retirement. So you're going to live a long time, you're going to have high inflation, and you're going to have low rate of return. How do the numbers look under that type of model? Well, this isn't what I want at all. I want to live a long time, have a high rate of return, and be able to spend everything. Isn't that the way to go? <laughs> yeah, in many ways it is. In my study that this morning we were talking about inheritance, and is an inheritance really a good thing for future generations? And in some cases it is, but you guys have probably seen this too. A lot of times people that receive something that they didn't ever work for, they don't have a good handle on how to be good steward over that resource. And then they can end up just kind of really heading down a, a path where they waste a lot of resources. So in some ways, I know we all like this idea of being able to leave something to our kids' kids or to future generations, but you can see it where people 
receive a big inheritance and then it kind of ruins their life. So you, you have to prepare the next generation both mentally and spiritually for any gifting that you're going to be doing. In some instances, you may need to create some trusts and some guardrails to make sure that those resources are spent appropriately. Yeah. I like Warren Buffett's comment on that, where he wants to make sure he could give his kids enough that they could do anything, but not so much that they could do nothing. So yeah, I think that makes sense. So once you've gone through the calculator, and oh, and I did appreciate you mentioning like sort of estimates of rates of return, because of course, even estimating low rates of return can be challenging, you know, and very often you can pick a number, whether it's 4% or whatever, and there still may only be a 70 or 75% chance of achieving that rate of return over a certain period of time. So how does the calculator deal with that? Is it just really a function of trying to be realistic and conservative in selecting the estimated rate of return? Well, we do a couple of different things in the calculator. Number one, we always encourage people to hope for the best plan for the worst and assume a low rate of return, maybe 3% or 4%. So that's number one. Number two, we include historical returns for the S&P 500 and 10-year treasuries. So you can you can say, you know, if we had retired and had a 70% stock, 30% bond portfolio, historically, how would that have applied to our financial situation? Or 60-40 or 50-50. So we do give you the historical data on how those asset classes have performed historically. The other thing, though, we also give you the ability to say, well, what if we had bad timing with our asset allocation. So you had that 60-40 stock bond portfolio that's rebalanced every year, but you retire in the year 2000, where you experience something like the dot-com bubble. And then a couple of years later, you experience the financial crisis. So you can stress test a couple of these different return assumptions using a very basic asset allocation, just 60% S&P 500, 40% 10-year treasuries, or 50-50, 70-30. So we just give people the ability to model some some different scenarios. Mm -hmm. One of the things, and before we started recording, we were talking about how with some of the things happening in the States right now with regional bank issues or bank failures, a lot of people are taken back to the bad old days of the global financial crisis. But there's a lot of millennials out there maybe that don't remember the the great financial crisis so well because they probably didn't have any money at the time that it was going on. And so what's the appropriate stage or age to start retirement planning because you know the millennials are now getting into sort of the the age range where they might be considering it so wait greg those millennials as you say yes it's not that they didn't have any money it's that they were in elementary school exactly you know so (laughs) it wasn't relevant you know i mean because i remember coming out of high school in a year when i look back on it was a very bad year in the stock market i had no idea no of course not so anyway sorry it just wasn't part of the yeah part of their life You can't get started early enough, obviously. Now, the calculator that we built is designed for people within five years of retirement, so usually people 55 or older. But I had the opportunity to speak with some kids in high school recently, and I showed them the numbers. I said, you guys, look, if you just start with $200 right now, invest $200, and then continue to invest $200 a month. Now, these kids are 17, 18 years old. So I said, if you invest that $200 and then you average, you just get 10% per year on your money over the next 40 years. So you're going to be 57, 58 years old. 
if you were to start with 200, add 200 every month and get a 10% return over the next 40 years on average, you end up with 1.1 million when you're 57, 58. If you wait 10 years to get started, so you wait till you're 27 and then put your $200 in every month, you only have a little bit less than $400,000. So the power of getting started early for our young people is so important. And the thing that they really need to be aware of is that volatility is a good thing when you're young and you have time on your side because it allows you to dollar cost average. You're buying in when the market's cheaper. And that actually you end up with a lot more money. So what the young people should hear when they hear about these regional bank concerns and market volatility, they should be saying, boy, now more than ever, I got to get my money into the market. Times are bad. This is the time to buy. Unfortunately, as you guys are always talking about, and that people do the opposite. They wait for the stock market to be robust and everything going well before they invest and they get it wrong. So you want to buy when everything's cheap and those are times of volatility and young people need to be shoveling as much money in as they can right now. You know, we were talking about the financial crisis and the bank crisis. This bank crisis that we're in now is different. I think the Fed learned and the Treasury learned from the last go around. And, you know, when they went in and secured all of the deposits at these two institutions and said, we're going to protect everybody. And that was a huge move. Now they've created this opportunity for banks to be able to lend with this bucket of money that they established. And so what they're saying is they're going to make it really, 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 really difficult for banks to fail going forward because they have access to all this cheap, free money. And that should give people a lot of confidence in our financial system. And that's really the name of the game. You look at what caused some of this meltdown and you could point to crypto and you could point to people taking unnecessary risks. But, you know, this is not the first time we've had a financial crisis or financial concern or banks getting into trouble. And the thing I would go back to is that people are resilient. We are innovative and we will get through this. And the people that are disciplined and invest for the long term will benefit from that discipline and people that have a little bit of optimism sprinkled in there. People that are the doom and gloomers that are going to go buy gold and bury it in their backyard, they're going to be sitting here 30 years from now and they're going to say, boy, I wish I would have listened to Greg and Colin. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I was looking at some statistics the other day, the other week from the FDIC about bank failures specifically in the U.S. Jason, you might know this number, but if you had to take a guess, how many banks do you think have failed in the U.S. since 2003? I don't know this number. I'm curious. What is it? 563 is the number wow. that was printed on the FDIC website, and that would have included Silicon Valley Bank. And the interesting part, when we looked at this data a few weeks ago, was that I think the numbers, Greg, were like roughly two-thirds of them were during the global financial crisis, but it still meant that one-third of them were not right? And the market itself, if we went back over the last 20 years, the S&P 500, I'm sure has returned a heck of a lot. Yeah. 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 So it's always something. And let me ask you slightly going down a different angle. So outside of the retirement budget calculator, what other fintech tools are available these days for financial planning? Have you been exposed to any? Or are you familiar with any? Yes. On my YouTube channel, I created a video to show people how to optimize social security. So there's two really great tools out there that are free to use. And again, this is US-based, but people that are going to have social security. They want to know how to optimize those benefits. And so I would point people to that video. Open social security is one of them. I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. 
there's a lot of really great tools today that allow you to go back and stress test different asset allocations in the past. And I think education is such an important tool. So if you look at a tool like Portfolio Visualizer to show people how different asset mixes have performed historically under a lot of different time periods, it can really help people know what has happened in the past, which can inform our decisions about how things are going to work in the future. So those are a couple of tools. Right on. Well, Greg, what else we got? Well, here's a, here's a question. You're a business owner. What was your worst day as a business owner? My very first book is no longer in print. And I can't tell you the title of it. But what happened was I wrote a book and it was really hard. It took me a year and a half to write my first book. And, and nobody, almost nobody bought my first book. It was a total dud, you know. But after about a year of that book being in existence, we get a letter. It's a Friday afternoon and it's from a law firm. And the law firm, it's a cease and desist. And apparently the title that I used for my book was trademarked, which I had no idea that was even anything I had to think about or look into. So Friday, I go home just with this horrible feeling in my stomach, like, you know, we're going to get sued. They're going to take everything from us. We're going to lose everything. And I was really, really devastated in that moment. I was really frustrated by it. And it really brought me to some moments of reflection and what I ended up doing was I had an option. I could either quit and unpublish the book and just be done with book publishing at that point completely. Or I could say, no, I'm going to push forward. We'll unpublish the book and then we'll make it better. We'll add 40% new content, give it a new title, give it a new cover and republish it. And that was the path that I went down. And it turns out that not quitting, not giving up turned out to be a, just a wonderful blessing because when the new book came out, that was Sound Retirement Planning. And that is the one that made it to become a number one bestseller on Amazon and personal finance. The funny thing about it is, though, I never would have written the new book had it not been for this letter that I received from that law firm. So what I thought was one of my biggest, my worst days of my career turned out to be one of the biggest blessings, but only because I didn't quit. So one of the things I always tell people is oftentimes what we perceive as a struggle or a setback, there's a book by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way. And I would just encourage you, these things are usually not a setback. It's usually a setup to take you to the next level, but it's a test to see if you're going to persevere. And perseverance, patience, discipline, optimism, these things that we're talking about, these mindsets you have to adopt, whether you're in business or you're investing, it's critical to your success in life. Mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah, I think that optimistic lens can't be downplayed, especially when we talk about markets these days. It's easy, as we pointed out at the beginning of this show, to talk about all the negative news out there and the negative things that could happen or are happening. But if we don't have optimism, we kind of don't have anything is the way I see it. Like what would be the point, right? I mean, don't you kind of just need that part? Yeah. You have to believe that the future is going to be better than the present. And it's a great way to live your life too. I mean, to go around looking for the worst in humanity or looking for the worst in people. I mean, we've got a generation of people oftentimes these days that it almost seems like with social media, people get rewarded for finding how bad things can get. And we really have to work hard. Again, we started this conversation talking about protecting our mind and then renewing our mind. So for me personally, I have gotten rid of nightly news television. So that's no longer part of my media consumption. I've taken all social media off of my phone completely. So no YouTube, no Facebook. My wife's always asking me to 
get on Instagram because she has these funny things that she wants to share with me. And I'm like, I just like, there may be a little bit of good and fun and humor in there, but boy, for the amount of garbage that I have to shift through to get to that stuff, I'm just not willing to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a good thing for most of us to do. And you know, I know speaking personally, I'm a bit of a news junkie and I never come away from watching an episode of the news feeling any better than I <laughs> than I went in. So, yeah, so that's a, that's a good point. Greg, I would even challenge you there. If you went on a fast for two weeks of news and then go back and watch it and then really be sensitive to how your body and your mind is responding. Like when I'm exposed to the news now, I walk away and I recognize this heaviness in my body, but I also find this negativity that permeates throughout the entire day if I allow that to be the way that I start. So do a fast and then go back to it and, and really pay attention to what's happening. And it, the hard part is it's entertaining and it's fun and it's you find people that agree with your points of view. But, you know, I think a better way to spend your time is out on the pickleball court. I don't know if you guys have started playing <laughs> oh, pickleball. Oh, yeah. Either. No, I've, uh, <laughs> my wife and I have started pickleball a couple of years ago and we're not great yet, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm not any good either, but when you're out there, nobody's talking about politics and people aren't usually talking about the nightly news. You're just having fun and you're getting to meet good people. And yeah, life gets to be whatever we choose to make it. And what we make it is a result of what we put into our minds. And one of my favorite books is called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. It was written back in 1910. And the whole premise of the book is, you know, it's so obvious if you go out and plant a garden, you put corn seeds in the ground, you're going to have a garden of corn. You put tomato seeds in the ground, you're going to have tomatoes. And if you plant weeds, you're going to get a bunch of weeds. And so it's the same thing with our mind. Our mind is this fertile soil. It's this place where we get to plant thoughts and ideas. And so we just have to be mindful of what we're putting in. And yeah, it's just a wonderful way to live. It's a different way to live. Hmm. That's a good segue, Greg, yep. into our speed round. That's right. Because now we've already figured out a couple things that Jason does for fun when he's not working. So why don't we do a couple of quick speed round questions with them? Do you want to sure. do that? Okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, so we know you're into pickleball. What else do you do for fun when you're not working? Besides watching the news at night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So pickleball is something I started last year, and I have really had a blast. That has been so much fun. I also purchased an electric bike last year, so I would ride the electric bike down to the pickleball court in the summer here in sunny Washington State. That was a highlight. And then I enjoy hiking, and I enjoy jogging. I enjoy listening to podcasts. So, you know, a podcast, I think, is a good way to fill your mind with some interesting ideas and some good stuff. And biking and jogging are great times to listen to podcasts. So you're multitasking there. Yeah. Yeah. You obviously are a reader because you mentioned a couple of books that you've highlighted. Any books you're reading right now? Yes. I just read Wade Fowle's book about reverse mortgages. So that's something that's of interest to me. A friend of mine just gave me a book by John Acuff called Soundtracks. And so I'm reading that book currently. Soundtracks. Like you're talking about like music? It is, but it's not. It's about filling our mind with whatever the soundtrack is that's playing over and over and over again in your brain. And so these thoughts that we get to be intentional about. John Acuff's a 
pretty amazing speaker. He has a podcast called Goals that I enjoy listening to, but he's a great communicator. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to listen to any of his stuff. So those are two books. I just had a guy send me a book called Don't Get Killed by Taxes. So I'm reading that one right now. The great thing about this line of work that we're in, this investment, tax planning, retirement planning, if you enjoy it, which I do, I like listening to and reading and learning about all of this stuff because it's fun for me. And I was trying to, my son's 17, we were having this conversation last night. You know, he's really into fitness and working out and nutrition. And he's trying to figure out what he wants to do at this next phase of life. And I said, boy, Oliver, I wish somebody would have just helped me, you know, because when I was a young kid, I was buying Money Magazine and I had graph paper and I was charting out stocks, not because it was a class, but just because it was a natural interest of mine. And so if you can find something that you enjoy doing, like Warren Buffett says, you never work a day in your life. And so, and then I'm also reading a book by Tony Robbins and Dr. Peter Diamandis called Life Force. And that one is really fascinating about all of this, the advancements taking place in medicine right now, which isn't a world I know a lot about, but it's really exciting when you hear Peter Dumiandis is a graduate, I believe, from Harvard and MIT, PhD, and Tony Robbins is a great communicator. So between the two of them, Tony Robbins, one of his talents is to go out and interview really incredible people and let them tell their story. And so that it's all about the medical advancements happening in the world. And I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cool. Last one, Greg. Okay, now this is probably going to be the highlight, and we ask this of any of our guests on the podcast that happen to live in the U.S. And so your final question is, how do you spell Saskatchewan? (laughs) (laughs) I I try not to answer questions that I know are going to make me look bad. (laughs) You guys are a lot of fun. What makes it so good there? Where do you live? Where are you based out of? We're in Calgary, Alberta. Although we both grew up in a province called Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, okay. But many people from Saskatchewan moved to Alberta over the years. My understanding of the weather that you guys have there in Calgary, it's even colder and wetter maybe than what we have here in the Seattle area. It's definitely colder and wetter. I lived in Vancouver for many years, and Vancouver and Seattle, I think, were kind of shared the same climate zone. But no, it's a little colder here, a little snowier. Well, a lot snowier. But if you're a skier, it works because we have the Rocky Mountains. They're just a short drive away. But anytime you plan to come up and visit Calgary or Saskatchewan, just let us know. Very different places. Very different. (laughs) Yeah. Bring your downhill skis for Alberta and your cross-country skis for Saskatchewan. We we will tell you that on some guests that we've had previously on the show, when we've had them on more than once, they're ready with their phones to look up the answer quickly while we're, while we're asking. So yeah, they're smart. You yes, didn't get the benefit good. of, but when we have you back next time, you'll be prepared. Yep. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. This has been fun. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Hope you have a great day and we appreciate all of your insight. And again, Greg, are we recommending to listeners to go and check out Jason's podcast, book, YouTube channel? We absolutely are. Sound retirement planning, retirement calculator. How much money do I need to retire? And Jason, your podcast? Sound Retirement Radio. Sound Retirement Radio. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. Do subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. 
The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth Management are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth Management consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth Management is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kraminski are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc., 2023.